have kids, they said. It will be fun, they said. Who the heck are they anyway? As moms, we sacrifice a lot for our families, our time, our health, our wallets, our identity, friendships, personal care, and of course, our beloved sleep. Motherhood is a crazy ride, one that is not meant to be braved alone. It takes a village, right? Well, your village is here. I'm your host, Sabrina Greer, and every week I'll be diving into the gray areas of motherhood with some very special guests. This is not the highlight reel, but the real deal. So reheat that cup of coffee, turn up the volume, and get ready for the reminder that you've got this, mama. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You're listening to You've Got This Mama, the podcast, and I am so excited for our guest today because we have the one and only Chantal Bisson. Hello, 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 Chantal. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Hi, and I'm so excited to have you here. Chantal and I are sort of new friends, I guess you could call it, but it's so funny when, when you have new friends and then all of a sudden you start to realize not only do you have so much in common, but, you know, geographically we have a lot in common. You know, know. value-wise, we have a lot in common. You know, your your kids might be a little bit older than mine, but, you know, just we have three kids. I've got three boys. You've got three girls. So there's just a lot of uh, crossover, which, you know, it's been really fun getting to know you better and, you know, building this friendship. I'm also so excited to announce that we are Chantal's publisher for her new book that's (laughs) launching so soon, which is so so exciting. So exciting. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but first I wanted to start by introducing Chantelle more formally, and then we'll let her sort of elaborate on the introduction. So Chantelle was born and raised in Toronto and splits her time between Toronto and Los Angeles, which I know is very difficult with the world right now. At the age four, she was drawn to the stage like a moth to a flame. She spent all kinds of time working in television and film and, you know, writing is an obvious sort of transition. So she launched her book last year called Raising Your Kids Without Losing Your Cool. And we're so excited to be launching the second part in that series, in the Without Losing Your Cool series. And you're just such an incredible human. You do so much. You have a marina, which is crazy. I'd love to hear more about that. And, you know, obviously juggling three kids and a hubby and life in general, you're just like such a powerhouse. So power to you. Nobody can see me sort of like doing the praise hands here, but I'm doing it. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, not the bio version, but the, you know, the real Chantel, tell us who you are. Tell us that your core, what, what this is all about for you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. That bio is, maybe that'll be the next thing you and I work on and make a more (laughs) not genuine, but you know, maybe more concise and more like hitting the nail on the head kind of thing. But um, yeah, you know, for me, I think the thing that I've always been really drawn to, it's funny because I'm really an introvert. Like I don't like to do a whole lot of stuff and I don't like to, I don't like to meet new people. So the fact that, you know, I, you and I are new friends, it's, it's fascinating the way people come into your life, right? Right. You need them. Like my daughter is pregnant, my eldest girl who's 32 and I'm going to be a grandmother to a boy. So I don't know a thing about boys. Now I've got this new friend who like, I got you. All boys. <laughs> yeah, you got me. So. Um, no, I think, you know, my story is basically, um, I grew up, uh, in a a household where my parents were on and off my entire life till 13 when they finally broke up for good. So my mom was really, really committed to getting us out of the house, to helping us find things that built our steam, things that we had a passion for, things that we enjoyed. And I think it was a, a lot to just 
put something into us because there was so much upset and trauma going on. So I started dancing when I was four and I just felt like it was really a great escape for me and, and was something that um, allowed me to feel like a normal kid. You know, because when you're little and you're going through things, you don't really know if your life's not normal until you grow up and you leave that environment. And you're like, oh, actually, that wasn't normal uh, to be raised like that or to have those experiences. So I found that through dancing, it really, really helped me to come into myself. And and what ended up happening is as soon as the light hit, like I saw the lights and people were clapping. I was like, oh, wow. Now I know what I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I like this. And then that led into acting. And, you know, I did that until I met my husband at 18. When we first met, we were 15 for a mutual friend, but uh, we met in earnest at 18 when we had to audition together to play boyfriend and girlfriend. And we had to kiss back in the day when you were allowed to like make out in an audition. (laughs) (laughs) We made out in this audition. And uh, as we were coming out of the room, this uh, casting agent who loved, he takes total credit because we've been together 33 years now loves to take credit for putting us together. He said to me, oh, Chantelle, you need to stay behind because we have three boys that don't have a girl to audition with. So I had to audition with three other guys and Yannick was not happy about it, but he waited as he waited and asked me out. And literally the rest is history. And uh, we were really quick out of the gate. Like we were together four months when we found out I was pregnant. And, you know, obviously, as you can imagine, you're 18 years old, you're like, well, what are we going to do? Uh, do we even like each other? What are, you know, do we have the baby? Do we not have the baby? And we both decided that we, we you know, I had been the loud mouth in high school with all my girlfriends saying that if I ever got pregnant, I would have an abortion because I never, ever wanted to be a mom. Uh, I didn't want children, you know, just from all that I saw how hard it was on my own mother. I was like, well, who, how, who wants to have kids that just looks like so painful and so hard to do? And while you're going through your own traumas and stress as a grown up to have other people rely on you. So I had decided really early on that I wasn't going to have kids. So, uh, you know, obviously when I found myself pregnant with a guy that I'd only known for four months, that my first instinct was I'm going to have an abortion. You know, there we were like faced with the decision of a lifetime and certainly not only our lifetime, but this being that we had created, you know, so when push came to shove, we decided to have her and not get married because Yannick was like, we got to, I got to marry you. I mean, yeah, you're my person. You're my girl. We're now we're having a baby. We got to do this thing. And I said, let's just do one thing at a time. Let's have the baby. Let's get to know each other. Let's see if we even like each other, you know, and then let's talk about that, you know, being the next step in the journey. And, you know, thankfully it worked out and we ended up, I had a beautiful little girl and she, she still maintains like, oh, I was an accident, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, you know, I said to her, most everybody is an accident that's walking around on the planet. Like, let's go on the trip, right? (laughs) How many babies are actually scheduled and planned? Well, more now, I guess. But, um, you know, back then, certainly that wasn't the case. And, you know, it was, uh, she saved us though. Because, you know, we were, you know, he was an actor and I was a young dancer. It was like blow and cigarettes and weed (laughs) and alcohol and just, you know, I don't know without her, if we had, if we would still be together today and not because we didn't love each other, but because we would have had nothing to fight for and no reason to like push through those things that so often people find easy to walk away from. Yeah. I love that. And it's so true, right? It's yes, you can plan. Some people can plan a pregnancy or you can 
obviously there's crying, but it, yeah. you're never fully prepared for what the changes are that occur when you have a family, when you have children, yeah. right? Regardless of your situation, regardless of, you know, if you're an actor or a chef or whatever your role yeah. is, you know, there's just yeah. never, there's no guidebook or manual for this, which that's why I love your book series, because, you know, even though it's to each their own when it comes to parenting and there's no right or wrong way, it's really just what worked for you. I love how you share, you know, what worked for you because maybe that can resonate with some people. So tell me a little bit about your vision behind the books and, you know, the book series and how, you know, without losing your cool sort of came, came to life. Well, um, yeah, I mean, to say exactly what you said, like, there's no, there's no one size fits all, you know, and that I, I, I kind of took issue with the what's expect when you're expecting book, right? I mean, because those came from a scientific point of view. And yeah, there are certain, you know, physicality that most people will share during a pregnancy. And, you know, some people not some people will breeze right through a pregnancy, and some people be sick the whole entire time, someone will miscarry a half a dozen babies before they get the one that sticks and that is their child, you know, so I think that it, it for me, what, why I wrote the books and where the books come from is it comes from um, the place of understanding that, yeah, there's no perfect way to do it. And there's not really a right way to do it. But the important thing that we all need to understand is like, no matter how you're deciding to do it or what you're deciding to do and what you adhere to and what you're holding fast to is that there's if you're striving to be perfect in, even in that decision, that's just not going to happen. And you're setting yourself up for failure and disappointment and depression, right? Because the reality is, is you've got to have grace. And that's what these books are about. It's like, have fun, not being perfect. Like without losing your cool, that's like totally tongue in cheek. Like the whole thing is you're going to lose your cool. So great. Now that you know that you're going to do it, how are you going to regain it? What are you going to do to come back from it? And so my book is really more about tips about how to be organized as a parent, you know, and how to be in good communication with your partner. Because so often people don't realize that, you know, I, the number of people I've talked to are like, I had no idea that he didn't want to discipline until it came to time to discipline. He's like, no, no, what? No, no, no time. Like I've had couples share that with me, you know, in, in, in my coaching with them is that it was very painful for some of the women that I've worked with because they didn't have that opportunity to parent the way they wanted to. And now they feel like it's gone too far. Or they feel like they didn't have enough of them didn't get put into their children, you know? So I think the, the, under, the thing I want to get through with my, without losing your cool series. And, you know, the first one was kids. So even conceptualizing having children to actually getting pregnant and having them outside of your body um, till 10 and then the book that, you know, we're doing that launches on May 26th is Parenting Your Teen Without Losing Your Cool, because that requires a whole different other mindset and set of skills, which you know, because oh, yes. you have one, <laughs> right? And you have your littles and you have your big one. So um, I, I really wanted to come at this from a point of view of like, you're okay. Like if you're, if you're messing up, that's totally fine. Like that's expected. That's normal. Because I think a lot of people too live with so much pressure on Instagram. You know, you see all, I mean, I watch some of the people that my younger daughter um, shows me that she follows these moms and they're like, oh, contractions, five minutes apart. And they look like they ate a burrito. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, 
they don't look like they're ready to deliver a baby. And they're, they're documenting every step of the way of this unrealistic ideal of how to be pregnant and how to, and then once they're out, you know, they glamorous homes and their kids are decked out and their hair is always blow dried. And, and, you know, so I, I really wrote the book for all those mamas who are like, I can't remember the last time I washed my hair. And I don't even know if I like being a mother. I don't even know if I like this little person. Like now what? Because what do you do? You can't send them back. (laughs) You know, so so you're kind of in it. You're, 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 you're stuck. And I think a lot of, a lot of parents feel that way. And I think a lot of couples feel that way and they feel such intense guilt that they don't even have those conversations with themselves. Like they don't even want to admit it to one another that they actually might be hating it right now. So um, that's what I kind of hope the book, you know, touches on is that it's okay to, to not like it all that much, but you know, you still, you're still in it and you still gotta, you know, be committed and you still gotta do the work. Yeah. So um, that's, that's, I think that's, would you say that that's the message? I would say, I would definitely say that's the message. And you know, it was a book I read a long time ago written by, and you know, I'll put it in the show notes if I can find it, because I don't remember the name of the book or the psychologist that wrote it, but it's about referring to it as season. Because if you think about a season, yep. right, it's like, okay, well, summer is awesome or some people hate summer, right? Because it's too hot. And then there's yeah. winter, but it's always going to pass. It's always going to change. It's always yeah. going to keep going and growing and, you know, things evolve. And I think when you approach parenting from, from that point of view, which I think you, you do this and you explain this really well in your book without using those exact words, it's, it really does help to know, like, it's okay. You're going to get through it. It's just a season. It's just a short period of time that's inevitably going to change. And I think, you know, with our current climate and what we're dealing with right now, the people are feeling the pressure tenfold, right? It's, we're home with our kids. We're being, you know, asked to pivot you know, into so many different directions. Like my kids are home right now. We're distance learning and then homeschooling and then not schooling and then unschooling. Yeah. Like there's so, it's just so exhausting to even think yeah. about. And, you know, I, I can't think of a better time for your, your book to be out in this world, especially for teens, because as a mother of a quarantine, you know, it's, it's really hard because they're missing out on such fundamental pieces of of their journey, right? There's no school dances, there's no extracurricular sports, or, you know, if you live where, like we live in the country, there's nowhere to go. (laughs) There's nowhere to go. And you get fined if you go somewhere because it's, it's against the rules. And, you know, what would you, what would your advice be to parents dealing with this current climate and, you know, raising teens? Because you're, you're doing it. I mean, yours are adults now, but you know, you've, you've been there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, you know, first off, my I want to say this, and I say this in any interview that I've had during the pandemic, which is like all of them, because my book came out like yeah. <laughs> a month after the pandemic Crazy. started. So, um, you know, I think the first thing I want to say is that I'm I'm totally blown away by the brilliance of the parents right now and moms in, in particular, because what ends up happening inevitably, right, is in a double uh, income household, it's going to be the mom whose job suffers like 95% of the time. She's going to be the one that ends up staying at home and doing less of her work and maybe even having to walk away from her job and her career in order to take care of the kids. Because let's be honest, if we could all, if we were all teachers, 
we would be teachers, you know? So a lot of us don't even have the patience or the, the, you know, some people's brains don't work in that way, like to be an educator, you know? And then you add all the emotional baggage on that, like stress about income, stress about, you know, am I going to have a career when this ends? And when I come out of it, there's just so much going on, so much emotional trauma and stress for parents, but also for our kids. So I just, my hat goes off to every parent right now who's doing it. And that is you and I, nobody can see me, but I'm doing the bow down too, because, um, you know, parenting is challenging enough. It's difficult in regular times, right? So you add all this uh, and, and, you know, we, as moms, we always worry about our kids. We worry about their mental well-being. We worry about their social um, standing out in the world in their peer group, you know, and then you remove them from everything. Like they've got nothing. They've got, you know, like I said, very early on for me, I got a lot of esteem and confidence and value and um, joy from my dance. So I can, I, you know, and I lived in a household with, that was a broken home. And then when it wasn't, I had an alcoholic father who was raging around, you know, and abusive. So, you know, and then I, my sexual trauma started at nine. So, you know, could you imagine if a child like me, and there are millions of them who are being sexually abused by someone they know in their family, who does deal with an abusive alcoholic parent is locked and confined into that space. I mean, you know, I've got a lot of opinions on this and I don't feel like our government has taken the entirety of people's well-being into mind with this lockdown strategy that isn't working anyway. So that is all I'm going to say on that. But, you know, when you look at children, you know, they need a lot of kids need a lot of those things for their for their safety and for their mental well-being. So I I would love to say that I have the answer. I mean, I have three daughters and yeah, they're 32, 30 and 24 now, but you know, they have their own words. Like my first daughter is pregnant during the pandemic. And, you know, I know there's a lot that her husband can't experience with her because he's not allowed to, you know, and then my middle girl, you know, lost her job and, you know, she's a stylist in Los Angeles. Well, there aren't a whole lot of video dresses, rappers, so there's no tours. And there's not a whole lot of video shoots happening. So there's not a lot of work. So she's got her stress of that, you know, so your kids are always going to be going through something. And, you know, my youngest is going back and forth between Toronto and LA as an actress. And, you know, the quarantining when she's here alone, like she deals with anxiety with that kind of thing. Cause she's a, she's a big rule follower. You know, she's a natural, her moral compass is like, right. It's right on. So, you know, for her, the thought of like, but I got to walk my dog, but I'm on quarantine. And they say, I can't even walk my dog, you know? So there's all this anxiety for so many people. And I think the only thing we can do, and, and I talk about it in, in my parenting your teen book is the only thing we can do is have a lot of dialogue, a lot of communication, a lot of questions being asked and a lot of like, you know, have, have other people in their lives that are adults, that they admire, that they respect, that they have a good rapport with checking in on them, zooming them or FaceTiming them or, you know, playing video games with them live or whatever, like finding ways to keep them bolstered, you know, keep them emotionally strong and keep them mentally strong. And I do, I do fear that it is our teens and our young adults that are going to have carry the brunt of this because you know little kids they're adaptable much more adaptable but um you know I think in that regard too little kids are kind of going to grow up with this fear that being too close to people can make them sick which 
I don't know that that's a good idea either. So I just, I just think a lot of communication, a lot of extra love. And, you know, I say, my lawyer says they can't, they can't, they can't, they can't get the money out of you because they're not laws. So I would, I would encourage parents to, you know, if you can, if you have the stomach for it, get in the car, go for a drive, get out in nature, especially when you live in a rural area, you know, you got to do, you got to do what you can. At the end of the day, your kid's well-being is way more important than, you know, a government mandate that, that, you know, is not taking into consideration um, every person's need. And, and I think as parents, we know what our children need more than our government, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, and it's, it's so true. And it's so challenging to watch because, you know, teens already struggle with mental health hormones and all, mm-hmm. just things that come with becoming a teenager, right? It's like all of this yes. extended stuff. So yeah, it's really tricky. And, you know, I'll never tell someone how to live their life or what to do, but something one of my kids teachers said the other day is like, you're, you're not, it's exactly what you just said. You're not a teacher. Don't yeah. think you have to be a teacher. We are doing the best we can to make this, you know, function in the best way we possibly can. And that's all we've got right now. So don't yeah. think you have to be at all. And, you know, I always yeah. tell my clients that too. It's like, you know, you, you probably could do it all, but you shouldn't like, don't yeah. try to do everything or you're not going to be able to do anything successfully. Right. It's, it's too much, too much on everyone. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, we all know the oxygen mask theory. Like you've got to take care of yourself yeah. first and then you've got to take care of your family and then you can start thinking about taking care of everyone. Right. So yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And another thing that I've just started implementing because yeah, I mean, I, my girls are adults, but, uh, you know, I still, you know, it's still unsettling for, for me, you know, I mean, I, I launched a book career in at the height of it, you know, the start of it. So what I've started to do is, and to your point of like, you can't do it all. It's like, I started to just every day, I start my day slower than usual. Like I'm, I'm not a morning person, but I get up a little bit earlier and I just lay in bed and I just, I'm quiet. I'm just quiet. I'm not up out of the bed. I'm not making coffee. I'm not, I'm like literally just waking up and being in that space of breathing. And then halfway through my day, I try to take 10 minutes out. Well, I don't try, I do. And I take 10 minutes out. And that means like 10 minutes out. I put my timer on but my phone is over there. I'm not scrolling. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not checking in on anything. And it just, you know, it's, it's recentering yourself and just doing nothing, like literally doing nothing. Because I don't think in our life now, the way it is structured, and certainly now with the pandemic, I don't think that we stop and do nothing. And it's very healing to just listen to your own breath. And I strongly recommend doing that, you know, start your morning like that, get back in touch with that halfway through the day. And I always, because I'm so um, a type and I, and I'm a little bit, I've had to condition myself to not be glass half empty girl. So I have to, when I go to bed, I, I always say three to five things that I'm grateful for, for the day. And then I find I sleep better. And I just, I fall asleep easier when I'm like, centered on gratitude. And I've had that time throughout the day to focus on just nothing, <laughs> focus on <Yeah>. nothing. <laughs> Crazy. And I, I love that you said that because gratitude has been such a huge thing in my practice since 
day one, way before pandemic times and everything else. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really important because I've heard some of my clients say, you know, well, right now I don't have anything to be grateful for. It could be something like start, oh. start big and, you know, come, come down to specific, like I'm grateful yeah. for clean air that I'm breathing. I'm grateful for clean water that I'm drinking. You know, these, these are yeah. things that seem like basic human needs, but it's yep. true. We can be grateful for them. And then yeah, not everybody has those things. Exactly. And then we can yeah. like zoom in and get a little more specific on those things. And, you know, yeah. then yeah. that's when you start to grow, but gratitude needs to be a practice. Right. And that's yeah. something I tell my people all the time. It's like, you can't just, it's not about just being like, I'm a grateful yeah. person. No, you have to actually yeah. practice it. And whether that's five things before bed, or if you wake up and write down three things or however that you can incorporate that into your life, I think it's really important to make it a, a, a practice, an intentional yeah. practice that you're consistent with. Because to just I say totally you're grateful, it, it, it's not enough. And as soon as I yeah. started executing this practice in my everyday life, it really does make a difference, a huge one. Oh, a hundred percent. No, it, it, I know it sounds pokey and corny. And if somebody, whoever, you know, people who are listening, if it's not something you've done, because you think it's pokey and corny, take it from somebody who was always like, a little, you know, uh, like my husband would be like, you're negative. I'm not, I'm not, I'm a realist, you know? And I think there's difference between being negative and being a realist, but even realists can sometimes be looking, you know, at things from, oh, well, you know, is this the way? and the minute I, I started to do that in my life and to go to sleep with that gratitude, it, it, I have to say it changed my entire perspective and my ability to be more joyful the next day and, you know, and to get more out of life. And yeah, and it, it can be small. Sometimes it can just be for clothes on your back, you know, or just like if you ate a, a chocolate chip cookie today, I don't know, like it could be anything. You had ice cream. Mm-hmm. It's just, Absolutely. I eat a lot of ice cream in the summer. <laughs> yeah. Working at a marina, I guess, or owning a marina, yeah. I guess you yeah. would have access to that. No problem. It's um, so to add, exactly. You have to, it's part of the, part of the practice of ownership. Um, so with mother's day coming up, you know, I believe personally that every day should be mother's day because of, of what we were talking about before. Moms are superheroes. So are dads, yeah. but you know, moms do take the, the heavier, they take the mother load of things. Yeah. So I, I believe that strongly, but with mother's day around the corner, you know, I just want to know about like, how's your relationship with your mom and you know, what does that look like? And then how did that sort of your relationship with your mom trickle into your relationship with your daughters? Because I think, is yeah. it a generational thing? The lessons learned, like, what does that, what does that all look like for you? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a great question. I've never been asked that question. Um, I think my relationship with my mom is pretty interesting. My mom was born in Europe to uh, a German girl and a Romanian soldier who fled Germany on foot during the war at night. So, um, and they went to Paris, they went to France. And so my mother was actually born in Paris while they were submitting um, applications to immigrate outside of Europe and Canada came through. So, you know, then they ended up coming to Canada and I was born here. And my mom was pregnant at 16 with my brother and then me at 18 because, you know, growing up, there was no conversation about sex. People didn't have sex. 
And so she had no idea how to have a baby, you know, at all. She ended up pregnant really young. And, you know, so I always had such tremendous respect and admiration for my mom because not only from what she came from, but from what she endured with my dad, you know? Um, and I, I, I loved as I grew up and got closer with my mom as an adult and a mom of my own at 19, I was young too, was, you know, I learned more about her own childhood and her own upbringing and I, and, and how she had taken a lot of the brunt of her dad's aggression sort of to protect her mom. And it was interesting because when I started to be sexually assaulted at nine and then, you know, uh, raped and then abused until I was 14, she, I didn't tell her. I didn't tell her because she was going through so much on her own. Like, you know, I didn't want to burden her anymore. So it was interesting to see how she had done that for her mother and instinct. And it's, it's an instinct, I guess, when you're watching somebody go through so much, the human instinct is to protect them and to not cause them any more suffering or pain. So um, I ended up doing the same thing in my relationship with my mom. But I remember always feeling a lot of respect for her and admiration because, you know, she was 16 and 18 and she started in a cafeteria at Brewer's Retail at their head office down, down at Leslie and the Lakeshore. And, you know, she grew into office manager of the union. You know, she just, she always worked hard. And the thing that I really appreciated from her, because I've seen a lot of this not go on, was that she had a commitment to us kids that there would be no man in her life or no man in our life until she found somebody she wanted to marry. So we didn't have a revolving door of, you know, daters and suitors and stuff like that. Not to say she didn't date. She did. She was young. She was gorgeous, you know? So, but she didn't have, she didn't drag us through any of that, that shit that she went through, you know, post-divorce and stuff like that. And now she's married to an amazing man who's like the perfect, perfect, you know, partner for her. And they have a beautiful relationship. They have a beautiful life. So I'm so, I'm so thankful that she got that, you know, she deserves it. You know, I would say that it's just like any other mother daughter relationship my mother changed a lot of what her mother did that didn't work for her that didn't support her that didn't make her feel like she could be trusted or that she was intelligent enough to accept her own or you know take on things so um you know and then of course you know in in watching that play out my mom was a different totally different mom to her mom and then you know, just like me with my mom, you know, there were things that I, I would have liked to have been done differently. So when I had my daughters, I did those things differently, you know? So I think it's, it's always an evolution, right? And, 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 you know, you, there's that saying that we all want to give our kids more than what was given to us. And I think that a lot of people that's monetarily, you know, um, they're motivated by being able to give them more financially and like bigger houses and big, and I think that that's where a lot of this like entitlement and this spoiled vibe that we're seeing in kids like kids just aren't told no anymore or they don't have to work for things and they don't have chores and um and I think that personally I I think that ruins a child and I think that it's important for children to understand work ethic and have it so um you know I I gotta say that 
I, I appreciate that my mom had so much strength because, you know, it, it allowed me to know that it was okay to be female and be strong. You know, it was okay to be female and have a man if you wanted a man, but you knew, I knew that I could be okay without one. My mom was okay without one, you know, for most of my life. So, um, I have to say, and my mom's like close to my girls, my girls are obsessed with Nana, you know, so it's, it's, it's awesome to be able to have taken what worked from being raised by my mother and taking what didn't work for me as a human being, and then not doing that with my kids, you know, so it's, it's wild to watch the generations. And I know I'm, I'm screwed up with my kids all over the place. Each one of them has been in therapy for their own reasons, but therapies. And I talk about it in both my books, let your kid go to therapy. If your kid wants to go to therapy, don't take it personally, you know, like maybe it is you, maybe it's not you, but let them do their thing. You know, it's like allow you the, the thing that I loved about my mom was that she allowed me to be my own person. Like to the point where at 18, I went on a road trip with a guy that I barely knew to like Puerto Rico. I mean, I, and I was like, I'm not going to let my kids do that. So like, there were some things that she did that were, I felt were too liberal and too, you know, open-ended that I didn't do with my girls. So I, I think it's really cool. It's that it's, it's, I think as human beings, it's, it's the, having the ability to, you know, take the good things in your relationships, whether it's your mom or not, and really, you know, hold on to those things that quote unquote work and then release the things that, and also release the people from the ways they were in those relationships with you, like, and, and still be able to enjoy the relationship. And I think that that can be a very tricky thing, especially with mothers and daughters, right. Um, is, is just, being in the relationship and being able to also let go of the things that, you know, you felt were not done, you know, to your liking, or you didn't get the support that you felt that you wanted or needed. Cause I mean, again, it goes back to way back to what we said forever ago is like, parenting is not about being perfect. <laughs> You're not going to be a perfect parent. It's about just being like being humble and having grace. Yeah. Being the best you can for them. Right. In whatever way. Yeah. For sure. No, I yeah. love that. And I, I love what you said about the evolution because as as you mentioned, you're about to be a grandma, which is a nana yourself, which is so crazy. I can only imagine, okay. you know, what that what that must feel like. And and it's just so cool to now, you know, be able to trust that what you did, how you raised your mm-hmm. girls is going to translate in the ways it needs to. And, you know, they'll cut yeah. out things. As you said, we all screw up. They'll just remove those yeah. pieces from their own parenting handbook. And I think that's, yeah. that is the evolution of it, right? We, we need to yeah. learn as human beings in all relationships, whether it's a parent-child relationship, a romantic relationship, a friendship, we need to learn what works for us and what doesn't work for us. And I, I think that's, yeah. that's the biggest takeaway, right? Is that it's not yeah. going to, one thing is not going to work for everyone. So I love that you said right. that. Right. Yeah. And I think also too, it's just like not getting so hung up on stuff, right? Like, you know, when people do something to you like just you know it doesn't have to be a big scene and I think I think I think for so many of us we hold on to stuff that doesn't serve us and we we do it you know we do it with our parent our relationships with our parents we do it in relationship with our children you know and we certainly do it with our friendships and our marriages and our partnerships and I think it's just like I think we all just need to let go a lot more and just lighten up and just 
try to, you know, try to have a good time. You're is it with, with that song? I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Like that's the yeah. reality. It's <laughs> so like true. when you're in it, it feels like it's never going to end, and you feel like, oh my god, like when you're parenting and you're in the thick of it, and especially right now during the pandemic, and you're teaching them, and you're you're their entertainment, and you're their everything. It's like, damn, my I, I feel for everybody, but it's like it's the good news is, and here's some positive positive toxicity. <laughs> It's going to be okay. You're gonna, <laughs> but, you know, it is. You're, it's not going to be forever. The one right. good thing, exactly. it's not going to be forever. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I, I want to leave our listeners with one more thing. So, you know, yep. if you could leave them with one tip outside of all the amazing things you've mentioned, I obviously don't want you to give your whole book away <laughs> or your whole book series away. <laughs> But if you could just leave one piece of advice for, you know, our mamas out there that, you know, are obviously in a difficult season and, you know, mm. just trying to figure it all out, what, what would that be? If you could leave one, one nugget for them. Oh, I think the one nugget I would leave for them would be um, to just embrace it. Like, I think so often we try to fight against what we're feeling or what's happening. And that only causes more stress and more anxiety. I feel like the one thing I could just say is just be, be in it, like be with it. And if that means like, Hey, we're ordering takeout, we're getting pizza again. That's what we're having for dinner. You know, it's just, ha and I, I guess I say this in, in my book and I, and I, it seems to be the, my biggest piece of advice is just have grace for yourself and give yourself space. Like if you need to be in PJs and you just don't have it in you today, that's okay. You know, that's okay. If your kids can't do their zoom classes for one day and they get to play video games or they get to, you know, watch more TV than they should for one day, you know, the world's not going to catch fire. I mean, think about it. Like when, school is normal and life is normal. People have sick days. They don't go to class sometimes. So if you don't have it in you to teach them tomorrow, don't teach them tomorrow. Let them have a sick day. You have a sick day, play hooky. Like the world's not going to, if, if we've learned anything in 18 months, the world's going to fall apart if they don't, you know, anyway, that's, uh, that's what I would say is just be in it, whatever that is take the time, take the space and, and, and have grace on yourself because these are highly, highly unusual times that we're all in right now. And hopefully, hopefully we're never in them again. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge. I cannot wait. May 26th for parenting your teens without losing your cool so excited for this this book and this whole series and you know for everything you're putting out into the world so many more exciting things to come that i won't share now but i'm so happy to have connected with you and yeah i just i can't wait for everything that's that's to come so thank you for being here i'm going to share all your links in the show notes but where Perfect. do you like to hang out the most so our, our listeners can find you instagram I have to say Instagram, even though I know all the yeah. mamas are on Facebook, I cannot figure that platform out. I just can't get it down. So I'm like, ah, <laughs> I don't have the time to educate myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, we'll, we'll link it. We'll link it all in the show notes so people can find you and yeah, okay. just, just keep, keep an eye on this space, everyone for this amazing book coming out in on May 26th.